0: We are bringing together imperfect people in pursuit of a whole life. Welcome to the Pathfinder Church message podcast. Today, Pastor Doug shares his Ash Wednesday message. I really am glad to see so many of you here with me tonight because it really is a pretty important thing that we're doing right now, this this Lent thing. Uh, it's an important thing for for the church, the community of faith to do. Together, And if, in case you're not from this kind of a background or a tradition and you're wondering what this Lent thing is, maybe all you've ever heard is that it's some weird thing that Catholics do uh, once a year, or it has something to do with fish fries, or you're not really sure what that connection is. Uh, or, or maybe you've heard that it means you have to give something up uh, for Lent. All of those things are, are true insofar as they go, but, but they're not the deepest truth, they're not the why of Lent. You see, what Lent is ultimately about is that you and I are invited To go on a very intentional, very meaningful journey with God. Lent is a journey. It's the journey that Jesus took 2,000 years ago when he took his first steps on that dusty road that were going to lead him to crucifixion and ultimately resurrection for our sake. Lent is the journey that Jewish pilgrims would take at least once a year, this holy trek towards God's holy city, the city of David. And it's an annual journey that you and I are invited into each and every year because it's a seasonal rhythm of death and resurrection that God wants us to share in with him. It's a journey both spiritual and sometimes even a little physical. In fact, that is kind of where the tradition of giving up something for Lent came from because when you were taking a literal journey, you couldn't take all the nice luxuries with you. You had to leave some things behind. When, when you're packing food for the trip, you don't take meat because in those days, the meat would spoil. So you took bread and you took things that would last a little longer. Uh, and that's why on that journey, you would not have meat. And it was just because that was a practical reality of life on the road. And over years and, and, and centuries, that turned into this, oh, you know, we, we give up meat for 40 days and then some church denominations still do that. But, but ultimately, it's just a reflection of the fact that when we go on a journey we intentionally leave some luxuries behind. We are thoughtful about what we pack, what we take. We really carefully curate what goes in the pack because we gotta carry everything with us and so you're not gonna bring anything extra because it's just extra weight for the road. That's where that giving up something for Lent comes from. It's from this journey concept. But this journey is one that you and I, no matter where we are in our stages of life, seasons of life, it is a journey that we are uh, truly invited by God each and every year to join in on with Him. And I think that is so powerful. Uh, one of the reasons I think it is powerful is because every great story you've ever heard is ultimately about a journey. There's no story that stood the test of time, no classic movie or great work of literature uh, that doesn't involve uh, what, uh, what a lot of mythologists call the hero's journey. Because If a story doesn't involve that, it tends not to last, it tends not to stick in the consciousness. It certainly doesn't get passed down from generation to generation. But the stories about hero's journeys, those stick in human hearts. We can't get enough of those stories, we tell those stories over and over again, and all the different stories of the world, however different they might be from each other in the detail, they share this common theme of this journey. Uh, one of my favorite TV writers, a man named Dan Harmon, he's, he's kind of distilled the hero's journey down to this very simple, a you know, little more simple circle, uh, and his point is this, every great episode of television you've ever seen has followed this trajectory that the character starts in some sort of a comfort zone, uh, and then some need or desire presents itself, and so to go after it, they have to enter into an unfamiliar situation. When there, they have to adapt. Uh, that adaptation ultimately gets them what they want, but, but they realize it comes at a heavy price. And when they pay that heavy price, that, that allows them what, what, to return to the comfort zone, but now they've changed. There's something different. And this cycle of the hero's journey attracts uh, for, for all the great stories, any good episode of television, any, any great movie uh, you've seen. And there are a ton of theories about why this seems to work, why we don't ever get tired of it. It doesn't get old. No one gets bored of this, uh, you know, wh- whether, whether it's Star Wars or Downton Abbey. I mean, I mean, it doesn't matter what genre it is. They all follow this model, and, and everyone's okay with it. And and there's a lot of theories about why that is. Joseph Campbell talks about the monomyth, and there's, there's all these fascinating theories. I have a theory, and in my opinion, it's just as valid as anyone else's. And my theory is this, that it's because God hardwired this universe, and he knew how he built it, he knew how he built us, and he knew how he built us to thrive and grow, and he built us this way. And in fact, all the people that talk about Hero's Journey, whether they themselves are believers or not, whether they're religious people or secular people, they all point to... One original hero's journey that's inspired all of them. And it's Jesus. And when we look at Lent, we understand it properly when we see how Jesus did the hero's journey, that he was in the comfort zone, in heaven with the Father, in in, in eternal unity and perfect love amongst the Trinity. Uh, He was fine. But he wanted his children back. He wanted us who had fallen far away. He wanted to bring us close. And so he entered a very unfamiliar situation. He became a human being. He spent 30 years living this way, showing us what it could be so that ultimately he could restore relationship between God and man. And we all know the heavy price. He paid for it. And then in paying that price on the cross, uh, he rose again from the dead, went back into heaven to have eternal coexistence with God the Father again, but now having changed because now he'd experienced our life. He'd been a human being for just a little bit, and so now our sufferings are his sufferings. And the difficulties of life, they're not something that God can no longer understand because he hasn't experienced them. He's experienced them. He's having changed And this is the journey of Jesus that we remember and and we lift up and and we bring it out and we look at it year after year after year for 2000 years, Christ's followers in the season of Lent have reclaimed an understanding of journey. And I hope maybe you see how this is not just true for Jesus's life. This isn't just true for, for a TV show or a movie or a book. This is all of us. This is every significant, meaningful moment you've ever had in your life. You maybe started out in a comfort zone, you had a a good job, you had a good family situation, good relationship, things were fine, and then something happened, and a lot of the time, it's external. It's something outside of your control, something that is inflicted on you, but it is a thing that drives you out of the comfort zone, and whether you choose it or not, off you go on the journey. And how well we navigate the journey, whether it results in in, uh, our our death or, or sorrow or whether it results in growth and change, returning back to the comfort zone different and better, it all hinges on how well we recognize that we are on this journey with God. God invites us to be on this journey with him, not in a fearful way, a scary way, in a way that God's saying, this is how we grow. This is how you reach people. This is how you save people. This is how you redeem relationships, the journey. And God, in his goodness, he mapped it out for us through his own son. And now every year we're invited to willingly embrace this journey. See, here's here's the secret of Lent. You guys ready for this? Most journeys are inflicted upon us. Luke Skywalker didn't want to become a Jedi. He wanted to be a pilot, right? But, but when, when they killed his family, that's what forced him on the journey. How many of us were, were in a, a comfortable job, but it's a rut? We wouldn't choose to leave it, but then you get laid off, or then the industry tanks, or the economy goes south, and, and suddenly we find ourselves through no choice of our own out of the comfort zone. You're in a relationship that you think is going great, and suddenly something happens that makes you realize it is not what you thought and hoped it would be. See, more often than not, the journeys choose us, we don't choose the journeys. But there are a few wise people who recognize that we were not built to stay in a comfort zone forever. It's okay to rest there, it's okay to have some Sabbath, it's okay to have, have moments and seasons of, of, of taking easy a little bit, but we were not designed by God to stay in the comfort zone. And so the wisest among us, they leave it voluntarily. They shake up their own job. They strive for even better things in their relationships. They don't let life get stagnant. They willingly choose to go on a journey. And in Lent, you and I are invited to make that same choice. That once a year, our church calendar has this rhythm built into it where we say, whatever is going on in my life, maybe things are hard, maybe things are okay. I am willfully, intentionally choosing to embark on a journey with God. To trust that if I walk alongside him through, you know, if I leave order behind and walk through the chaos, go through the wilderness with God, that there is something better on the far side of that journey. And so what we will be doing for the rest of this series of Lent, we've got six Wednesdays ahead of us uh, that you're invited to come back and be a part of this. And what we're going to be looking at is these particular psalms. You heard the first one already tonight. Uh, you recited it with Jonathan, uh, that Psalm uh, 119 through Psalm 133 are called the Songs of Ascent. And it's these group of psalms, and these aren't just poems. We tend to recite them as poems. These were, these were worship songs. These had rhythm and melody. And these specifically were sung by the Jewish pilgrims. As they began their journey, their holy trek towards Jerusalem, these were the songs that they would sing together. That the whole caravan would be marching their way up. It might take them weeks. And as they're singing, as they, or as they're walking, uh, they, don't have, they don't have iPads and DVD players built into the minivan, they sang songs together and the songs kept their spirits up. The songs reminded them of what they were doing and why they were doing it. They sang the songs of ascent together. And so each week we're going to look at a different song of ascent. We're going to look at a different Psalm because we're recreating here in the community on Wednesday nights during Lent, we're recreating this spiritual journey that God is inviting us to go on. But I don't want us to only think it's spiritual. It's the whole life. We talk a lot about whole life here. It's because even something like Lent is whole life. There's a reason, again, why that practice of giving something up matters is because it invites your body along on what would otherwise be a purely spiritual ride. It's good to focus on the Bible. It's good to pray. It's good to talk to God. But when we we bring our body along, it all reinforces each other. When we do a spiritual and a physical journey, And sometimes it's going to involve making changes in your life. There's going to be relational shifts that you make. There's going to be physical hardship you undergo. Or at the very least, it's coming here and it's doing something out of your ordinary rhythm. It's participating in a communal uh, iteration of the spiritual journey of Lent with us. But I want to give you just a little brief emotional picture of what that looked like or what that could look like. Because we're going to do it all in one place. We're not going to leave Ellisville. We're not going to go somewhere else. We're going to come right here to the same church on the same corner, and we're going to go on a spiritual journey together. But that is not the only way to do it. In fact, there are people still today, Christians and and even uh, non-believers, actually, that still participate in the very physical aspects of a pilgrimage. In fact, they recently made a movie about that. It's actually called The Way, uh, starring Martin Sheen. Uh, And and it's, it's it's kind of a lightly fictionalized documentary about what people do even now today. In fact, there's this, there's this pilgrimage, this, this spiritual journey that uh, people have been making for over a thousand years. It's called the Camino de Santiago, the, the Way of St. James. Uh, and it's a, a, a thousand-kilometer thousand trek all across Europe, ending in this beautiful cathedral People do it for religious reasons. They do it for secular reasons. And yet, over and over again, year after year, people are drawn to make this pilgrimage. And I want to just give you a a taste of it. So I'm going to show you a little bit of an extended trailer of this movie uh, and and just get a feel for how a physical journey can disrupt your life in ways that God intends for, for your betterment in ways that get you out of your comfort zone, that maybe even expose you to things you would otherwise never have the opportunity to see. So take a couple of minutes and watch this uh, trailer for The Way with me. You should fly with me. Come on, a father-son trip, it'll be fun. Yeah, right. You know, most people don't have the luxury of just picking up and leaving it all behind, Daniel. We agreed that if I let you take me to the airport, you wouldn't lecture me about how I'm ruining my life. I lied. Hello. Are you the father of Daniel Avery? He was walking the road to Santiago de Compostela, 800 kilometers on the northwestern coast of Spain. This is everything he had when we found him. People have walked the path for over a thousand years. The way is a very personal journey, Mr. Avery. Daniel was my only child. We're gonna walk the Camino to Santiago. Both of us. Tom. This is the way. Hi, I'm Yoast. There's no mystery why I'm doing this trick. Oh, look at cheesemakers. Hola. Hey, Tom, wait. Yeah, you should try some. No, thanks. Tom! Come with me! Wait, right, I'm from Amsterdam. That's not. What are you looking to score? <laughs> I love this guy. It wears off quick, I promise. Hello? I'm Jack from Ireland. How long have you been out here? On the Camino or on this particular spot? You pick? Well, geez, uh. It's hard to say. So, what is it? On pilgrimage to change your life? Something like that. Dead box with the ashes. My son. That's pregnant. I mean, tragic, of course, but pregnant. Oh, no! Tom, your son, I'm so sorry, I had no idea. My son was almost 40. Yeah, but he'll always be your baby. What was your son like? Smart, confident, stubborn. pissed me off a lot. It was a lot like you. Hey, that oh, kid took my back. Hey! Hey! You can keep the pack. Just give me the box. Don't choose a life, Dad, you live one. What, you can do this on a bike? What walking? The last line at the end, the guy says, wait, we're allowed to take bikes? <laughs> You're not, it's cheating. So here's the thing about journeys is you meet people you never would have met otherwise. You experience and face challenges that you never would have had to face in the comfort of your own predictable life. You're exposed to parts of yourself you never would have seen otherwise. And the one promise is this, that you will come to the end of it and you will be changed. You will be different. And so whether there are physical changes you make, spiritual ones, this is the thing that I want to do together with you for the next 40 days of Lent is let's go on this journey together. Let's be open to the unexpected, unpredictable things that God might might have in store for us. And let's be open to the changes that he is wanting to make with us. And so as I wrap up this portion of the service, I want to invite you to do one more thing with me. In just a second, I'm going to have you stand. But one of the, the values of these songs of ascent was... People knew them, they knew the chorus. It was, it was encouraging, it was reminding. And, and as I talked about uh, this last weekend, it gave people the words and the language they needed to understand God better on the journey and so, uh, you guys have seen those, uh, those army movies where, where people are, are, are at boot camp, and then they're kind of jogging in, in cadence, and they're chanting that rhyme, right? And, and the one guy kind of says, you know, I don't know, but I've been told. And then they all know the response. They, they say the response together. That's the vibe of the Psalms of Ascent, Is that there would be a leader and he'd be saying, this is what we know about God. This is who God is. And then everyone would chime in with the refrain and they would say it together and they would be encouraged on the journey. They would be reminded of who God is and what he wants to do with them in this moment. So we're going to do that together right now. So would you all please stand with me and we're going to read this together. as, As we read it, my part's just the white part, your part's the bright gold part that says C, C's for church, it's for you guys. Uh, and, and the refrain, I'm just telling you now, it's going to be the same every time for you. It's going to be really easy. Uh, you're just going to say the same thing every time we get to it, and I'll read the rest, and we're going to do this together. So, together, praise the Lord my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul. And forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, and he heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Praise the Lord, my soul. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. Praise the Lord, my soul. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Praise the Lord, my soul, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed." And on this Ash Wednesday, we remember this line especially, God remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. And yet, even though we are like dust from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. And with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts, praise the Lord my soul. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord my soul. And here is my prayer for you, that that simple phrase that you just got to speak seven times will stick with you the rest of this week. That whatever God has in store for you, whatever hardships or difficulties are in your path, whatever strains and burdens the world and the news inflicts upon you, that that simple refrain would stick in your mind, in your tongue, in your heart, praise the Lord my soul. It's always true. It's true when God is good and in the heavens. It's true when things are hard and we feel like dust. It is always true that we can praise the Lord my soul and he is with us in the journey. And so as one of our first steps on this journey, we're about to take Holy Communion together. We're about to be marked with dust since we know that we came from dust and to dust we will return, but God's love lasts forever. And so as we prepare our hearts and our foreheads to receive this goodness of God, I invite you to pray this confession with me and then reflect on it for a few moments. So let's, let's speak this together. We are born in sinful flesh and soul from dust and ash, unable to help ourselves, inadequate and destitute. Yet you desire faithfulness, even in the womb. You taught us wisdom in that secret place. Create in us a clean heart by your love and power. Place in us a new and right spirit and restore us to yourself. We are bringing together imperfect people in pursuit of a whole life. Welcome to the Pathfinder Church message podcast. This week, Pastor AJ shares his message threat assessment from our new series, Operation 611.